0: watch film but i'd be honest i mean when i first started watching film i was just watching the game
1: hello everybody welcome to the uk packers podcast as usual of a friday you know we like to bring you a celebrity and uh, last week was mason crosby make sure you check it out and this week we're going a little bit closer to home but still a big massive name in the biz and it's mr kevin cadel kevin how are you i'm
0: great i'm great just enjoying the uh summertime man and uh I'm getting ready for the NFL season as well, so um, everything is on the up and
1: up. Happy days! You see, you're in the UK and you might have a summer, but over here in Ireland, uh, Kev, I mean, summer usually falls on one day of the year, and that fell on Wednesday this year, so it's over now. So you know, at least we got that. It's over. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's done. But they say the only re- the only way you can tell you know what season it is in Ireland is putting your hand out and feeling the temperature of the rain. So the rain's a little bit warmer, so I'm guessing it's summer over here now as well.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well. Well, you know what they say. The only way is uh, the only way is up. Uh, Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) but kev look thanks for coming on the podcast uh we all know you as the you know the host presenter on sky Sports. you're in everybody's living room of a saturday sunday you know you're in there on mondays you're in there for the playoffs uh you're in there for the super bowl Um, so I think we all know that Kevin Cadle, but what I'd like to get a bit of a feel for now, and it is a Packers podcast and it is an NFL podcast, but we can't ignore your record breaking time as a basketball coach, but let's bring it back a bit further again. Let's go back to Buffalo, Kev, if you'll allow me. Let's go right to the very beginning. Let's let's sit you down on the psychiatrist couch. Now, Kevin, you'd have an amazing career as a coach. Uh, you're an athlete for Penn State, correct me if I'm wrong. And behind every great athlete and behind every great motivational speaker, there's usually a tough story. Was Kevin Cable's story tough growing up? Not really. No,
0: not really. I mean, it's um. I mean, Buffalo can be a tough place. Um. I mean, as as a kid growing up, I just recently read an article where um it kind of brought it to life for me. There were so many gangs that were. I mean, that was when the uh Buffalo was at the all-time high of of having the gang. Of, um dilemma going on and um yeah. so yeah i mean you know you dealt with it but you know it's one of those things of it's there so you just deal with it um and uh you know i stayed away from it and was able to survive it so i have to say no not really i mean it was you know it was a great place to probably preparing me to be able to do what i needed to do the next stages of my life
1: yeah and, I mean, you, you did become a basketball star, right? Winning a scholarship to Penn State. I mean, why, why was it basketball for you, Kev? Because, like, I've had people on the podcast. We have a man, Green, we, you know, Leroy Butler, and all these guys, you know, there were always outstanding athletes in so many fields, like athletics, football, basketball, baseball. Were you sort of an all-rounder, or was it only basketball for you?
0: You know, when I was, when I was younger, I played football in, uh, in the football leagues. But once I got to high school, It just became strictly about running cross country to get ready for basketball and play basketball and ran track, which cross country and track, I was uh, basically um, no good at. You know, they have another word for it, but I'll just say (laughs) no good at. But I had to be out there because the, uh, you know, they said the priest at the school, you know, they said that's what I had to to do. Um, Football wise, believe it or not, I was too skinny to play football and I used to like to talk a lot of trash. (laughs) <laughs> and I know guys on the football team just always say, Kev, why don't you come out? I go, no, 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 you're not going to make a reputation off my body. <laughs> so uh, so my deal was there. So my deal was basketball. I, um, um, I played basketball. I had the opportunity to coach basketball. But this is the honest to goodness truth. My, my favorite sport has always been American football. That's just been, been the way it is. I mean, I got a scholarship to university to play basketball, but football has always been at the, at the, uh, at the forefront of, of sports that I like to uh, to look at and enjoy
1: yeah because I mean kev, you know when when you read stuff about you online and, and I know you've you've got a book and I'd like to talk about that a little bit later, the Cable Will Rock. there's kind of a gulf there it you know because what I find is when you try to put someone's life onto a Wikipedia page, you miss all of the nuances and you miss gaps and years about where like what you know what happened between then. So how did it go from being a basketball player to a basketball coach it's it surely wasn't straight away, was it?
0: well, yes, it was i um I finished that uh, at Penn State we were on a term semester, so I had to go one more term to do my uh, student teaching. I got my degree in uh, physical education, and I went straight to graduate school and got a master's degree in education administration, and so I went, so we had to go um, one extra term, which was 10 weeks, um, so I went from September to, uh, to November for these 10 weeks. I hung around Penn State for a couple of weeks, and then I got a I was accepted at Texas A&I as a graduate assistant basketball coach. So basically what they did was they paid my way to school. And I was very fortunate. I was able to get two college degrees, and I never had to pay a single dime for it. Yeah. So they paid for me to uh, to come to school as, a, as an assistant. Matter of fact, I, I basically became the assistant basketball coach um, because the guy who was there before me, he left, and, and um, he moved to another, To I guess he got him a, a full-time job. And the other guys that were there, just you know, they were okay. But that, you know, I was more in tune with the basketball than what they were, and I basically became the guy's assistant coach. So I had a half a year there over the summer. I recruited a guy who was a number two pick of the Houston Rockets, named Ed Turner. Yeah. Um, you know, tragically, he shot himself in the foot, so he never made it to the NBA. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, I literally shot himself in the foot. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I, yeah, so I stayed in Texas. I went to another school once I finished graduate school. Called Angelo State, and I went there for uh, for four years um, until I was fired. So once I, I got fired, that, that that meant I had to go find a job, and um, I started looking for so many jobs in America, and every one of them came back. I was like, you know, did they all get together and write the same letter? Yeah. But it always came back with great references, great recommendation. You need more experience. Yeah. So the opportunity that came over, you know, came up for me to uh, to go to Scotland, a buddy of mine. Years ago, I used to do a fruit pastel advert named Bobby Kenter. Um, called me up, to his team, you know, put me forward. His team needed a coach, you know, would I be interested? And I'm like, well, you know, I got one more job to come in. And the next letter came in the same. The next day, great references, great recommendation. But so I just called the guys up in Fall Kirk and said, okay, I'll come there. The plan was only to come. To Britain, to Scotland for only a year or two. Yeah. And it end up being, oh, 30 ish years later.
1: And Kev, I have to ask you, as an Irishman, sometimes I get asked by Americans, can you slow down, please? I can't understand what you're saying. What did you think when you went to Scotland? What did you think when you went to Scotland?
0: Well, can, can they slow it down? Because I couldn't understand a word. I got there and I was like, oh my, gee, what, I mean, what? I can't, <laughs> do I have to listen to this the whole time, but you know, after about a, m- a couple months of being there. Um, yeah, I can understand. Yeah, you know, and, and there was so many different dialects. There was like, you know, two miles away. They spoke completely different. Than, and, and But I was able to uh, to pick it up. I remember my mom came to visit, and I took her to Scotland. I was, I was coaching in Manchester then, and she goes, can you understand these people? I go, <laughs> I, I laugh, and I go, yeah, I know what you're saying. I've been there. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, what I have to say, I mean, I love the Scottish people, man. I had a, you know, I put that down as uh, maybe the greatest time in my life living in uh, living in Falkirk, I, you know, believe it or not. I had a, it, I had such a great time, you know. So, um, like I say I was, you know, uh, the reason I got there because I was fired coming from Texas, and I'm not ashamed to say, you know, when it got fired, I got busy. Let me go see if I can find me a job. You know, it happens. And so, um, plus, I was ready to move on anyway. So, it was the perfect place for me to um you know mentally socially physically it was just a great place for me at that you know at that time at that stage of my uh of my life so uh you know Falkirk was the uh was the beginning for me
1: yeah because I mean most people get fired from their jobs they pick themselves up they go to a different job they kind of do okay and they get the confidence back Kev you ended up in the Guinness Book of World Records like how did that happen
0: well the team I had Falkirk we um um we're the most successful club team in, in Britain for a season where we won um, five trophies and that's what basically what it was based on us winning five trophies on in uh in the one season in the uh in the in the country and then you know my teams were you know, we were the, the first teams, the only teams really in, in risk really history to ever make it to the league. You know, one time we made it to the final eight group and another time to the final sixteen groupings. Um so um, you know, it was just a case of just being around good people. I think that's one of the things that, you know, it, it, it always helps when you're around good, competent people who are like-minded. I had to sell them on it, but, you know, the teams I had, people became like-minded with me on some of the things that I wanted to to achieve.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Kev, I mean, you know, when you speak, people listen. I, I put you on the same level as Jeff Reinbold. You know, Jeff could read the phone book and I'd be enthralled and I'd be sitting there listening to him just go from A to Z. You're the same. You have that sort of way about you, that charisma. Did that come with time with coaching? And did you get into motivational speaking then? Or were you always a bit of a charismatic guy and that actually helped your coaching? Is it chicken before the egg? I mean, you know, which came first?
0: Well, the, the, the speaking part was that came about from uh, once I decided, you know, it was the off-season, I was like, okay, let me see what else I can find to do. So I, you know, I throw a name out. It was a little bit of an insurance company. So I go to this insurance company, and they had their yearly or quarterly, whatever it is, um, award ceremony. And the guy that was doing the speaking at the award ceremony, I'm sitting there thinking, forget this insurance stuff. I need to be doing what he's doing, because I can do this far better than him. <laughs> Yeah, um, But also, you know, it's it, the aspect of it is it became a daily thing for me, and the same with Jeff, because with coaches. You do that every day. I mean, it, 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 it's oxymoron with sports athletes. I, I always find it to be such a the wildest thing where that, you know, if a person is working, you know, frying chicken every day or flipping hamburgers, I can see you having to motivate them. That That's something I can see having to motivate. But yeah. when they're an athlete and they choose to become an athlete, you know, you don't. Make a professional athlete, they have to choose to to do that, and you still and you got to go and, you, and people don't oh, he's a great motivator as a coach, you know like why why should I have to motivate this guy who chose to do this but um that's how a profession works, and you know and every single day you're doing some kind of motivational message to someone or as a group you're doing some kind of stuff to to motivate them to get them to be the best that they can be so that as a group that you can be the best that you can be
1: yeah because i mean that's even something that jeff rainbow was saying something along the lines of that you know trying to motivate athletes is very different because you know as you said they want to be there so i i sort of approached that question with jeff and i suppose it applies to you as well kev that jeff was very young when he got into coaching so how is he gonna he said he had to train guys who were older than him and you know he had to try get them to listen to them and and his coach said to him forget about the age thing athletes want to get better and they want to put food on the table and they want to learn so you know you went into that did you when you were a graduate coach did you find that people were looking at you saying like what do you know that i don't know
0: um, well, you know, the thing is, is that first of all, you know, is you have to show them that you're for them. Yeah. Now, if you show them that you're for them then what you want to put out to them is going to be acceptable. If you show them that like, I'm just all about myself, this is going to be very difficult for them to accept what you're trying to, to get across to them. I mean, I was 22 years old, you know, same age as most of the other guys that might have been on those basketball teams, yeah. you know, but, you know, I came in with, you know, my deal was to pump them up, to uh, to uh, um, help them to be better than what they actually were and tell them that they were better than what they actually were and to sell them on the idea that as a team we are better than actually we are playing. Um, but then I, I took that with me to when I became a head coach because I became a head coach and I was the same age as the guys professionally, you know. Yeah. And, and matter of fact, and one of the guys on the team was was my my best buddy. So everybody was looking at that to see how, um, you know. One, you know. A, a matter of fact, when I walked into the, um, to the arena in Falkirk, Coasters Arena, I remember reading the lips on the uh, on the guy who's a general manager through this glass as I'm walking in. You can see him saying, "Oh, he's so D- young," yeah. you know. And I'm like, "Oh, you know," but you know, it's the, the deal. What it was. So I went in and just. I put the guys on a motivational point, you know. And plus, I showed them, you know, that my buddy was just like them. If he messed up, he was on get equal treatment just like the rest of them got. If they messed up, yeah. so you know, the thing is, is if you treat people well, but you treat them treat them equal, um, then you got something going. Because I think that's one of the things that I learned from my my college coach. My college coach. Um, uh, End up being the, uh, the Chicago Bulls. The first three years the Chicago Bulls won the NBA title. My um, my college coach was a defensive coach for the Chicago Bulls, uh-huh. but as a college coach, um, he didn't really know how to treat people. Yeah. You know, so and I learned that. You know, it's the thing I learned. When people ask me, "What did you learn from him?" You know, you didn't seem to get along with him. No, I really didn't get along with him that well. But I did learn from him how not. To treat people yeah. and that you know that no matter if you're the first guy or you're the last guy all you want to do is be respected now if you re- if you respect me and I'm the 15th man I'm gonna to go to war for you but if you disrespect me and I'm the 15th man when well, it's time to go to war don't call me call somebody else so you know that's the thing I learned is that no matter who it was on the team who you're dealing with as long as you gave them their respect then they will give it back. And when it's time to go to war, from practice sessions to games, everybody's going to be in
1: tune. Yeah, Kev, I mean, you're so passionate when you talk about coaching. How did you pull yourself away from that to step into the media? How did it happen that you ended up stepping away from coaching and stepping into the Sky Studios?
0: Um, Because I burnt out. I I did it on two or three occasions. And, and, I mean, burnt out is one of those things that you really can't describe. You know, I think my thing was that... um, um, I never took the time to smell the coffee. I didn't say exhale, but to smell the coffee. What I did was, if we would win a trophy, I would think about, okay, what's next? You know, if the year ended on an up or down, it wouldn't be a case of, okay, let me relax and enjoy the, the finality of it and get ready. It was all about, okay, what's next? It was always all about what's next, okay, what's next? And I never took the time to relax and enjoy life and smell the coffee, and basically my, my, my battery just burnt out from not doing that. So, yeah. um, you know, it was, it was my own fault, but that was, that was just that was my persona. You know, I, I, I wanted to push it. I wanted to push the envelope. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to try to, to, to achieve certain things that had never been achieved before. I wanted to go after that European cup. Um, you know, so just case of just having to push it, having to push it, having to push it, and just my battery just said no mas.
1: Yeah, because I mean, your your book, uh, Rock the Cadle, is out, uh, and you can buy it through your website. Is that right, kevincadle.com?
0: Yeah, 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 from kevincadle.com, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
1: you have all the stories, so I'd love to delve into some of the stories, but again, okay, I mean, you know. Uh, some of the stories that are on there about going and dodging bullets about hanging out with the KGB is there any little taster stories you can give someone without giving the whole game away because I mean that's the whole point of the book but what's your one favourite story from your basketball time away from sort of the burnout stuff and just some of the craziness that you experienced
0: well I know the the once we went to um, to play an international European game in Turkey we beat the Turkish team um, in London and so we went there to play and so, you know, usually they're supposed to send someone as an interpreter. So yeah. they never sent anyone as an interpreter. Um, so we end up uh, um, uh, not practicing what you're supposed to practice the day before the game. Nobody came throughout the game. We never really practiced the day of the game. <laughs> um, and so they send a bus driver, but there's no interpreter with the bus driver. Yeah. So as we drive up, he, now who goes in the front? He stops at the front of the building. I mean, I mean, all these fans were out there and they were pumped up. Let's say, and, and, he, and he opens the door. I said, "No, no, no. We don't go in the We must have to go in the back." He opens the door. The, the, the Turkish fans start rocking the bus. Jeez. So I say to my guys, "Okay, now we're gonna have to get off. We're gonna have to walk through this crowd."
1: Yeah.
0: So we gotta walk through the through this hostile crowd, and we get to the uh, foyer of the arena. So it was like, "Oh, you know, nobody in the foyer." We like. You know, it's like exhale
1: now. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> that was kind of crazy. Yeah. So, so now we got, so now, I mean, but we're in the foyer, but the arena is going to be down. So we know that we're going to find a door and walk down. Yeah. As soon as we opened the door, it was like a surprise party. 17,000 Turkish fans just went crazy. Now we got to walk from the top of the arena oh all the way down to the bottom. <laughs> I mean, they're throwing, they're throwing stuff at us, doing everything. We finally get to the bottom. We get to the locker room. I tried every motivational ploy that I had. And yeah. it just didn't, it didn't even go in one year and out the other. It just <laughs> went right across their forehead. I go, well, that's a good one. I'm, I'm, well, they got us. They definitely got us on that one. So it's just some of the games that you have to play of being in the, in the European competition that you have to be uh, have to be ready for and aware of
1: yeah and i mean it's crazy stories like that that fills your book right because you have going to israel yes. am i correct and then you have being in russia i mean so yes. if, if anyone wants to read it because you know what stories like that just sort of transcend now again i'll say it again it's a packers podcast it's an nfl podcast but like neil reynolds and like jeff reinball you kind of transcend all that because you're such a big name so again i and how much is the book kev how much can we pick up a copy for on your site
0: so the the, the book is um 13 pounds yeah. um to uh to, to get the book just go to kevincato.com you can get it or you can go on to, uh, to amazon it's also available on the ebook on 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 amazon but if you get it uh we send it out to you it's signed um for you and with the message and everything else
1: yeah now again uh, to the people listening kev doesn't sponsor the podcast <laughs> this is just you know if you're interested in all these cool stories and again kev charismatic guy by all means uh, cop the book but let's bring it back to sky kev so you you start with sky um i mean geez what was your first year like it's completely different to coaching you have to sit in the studio deliver stuff to the camera was the first year full of mishaps you know it it
0: was because um you know back then when everything started up they just here's the microphone i'm like well you're gonna tell me something you're gonna (laughs) teach me something yeah yeah if you mess up you don't get it back yeah so yeah You know, that was this. you know, just that. And also just from the point of being a coach, um, uh, going into that, but also learning the presenter game, you know, of how to, um, you know, I mean, it's easy, I guess it kind of worked. It eventually kind of worked from being a coach because I knew how to, okay, you, you, let's delegate, let's, you know, keep everybody involved and so on and so forth. But it became, you know, initially, you know, Nick, Nick Hawley and I, I mean, we, um, we had, our, we had our little, you know, we had our little, you know, troubles. Yeah. Um, but then finally, you know, the chemistry just hit. You know, one day we just looked at each other and said, you know, you leave your ego at that door, I'll leave my ego at this door, and let's just go have some fun. We both really love this American football. Let's just go have some fun and enjoy it. And I think once we did that, then that's when everything started to, to fall in place for For us and for the show.
1: Yeah, and did you find like that, Kev? There was a lot of that in the media that you'd meet some characters who, once the camera comes on, they're brilliant, but when the camera comes off, you know, it is full of ego. Like, do you know who I am? Because if you look at the NFL stars now, it's the highlight reel catches, it's the Super Bowl rings. You know, I asked the man Green on the podcast. I said to him what's the difference between college football and, and, you know, hitting the pros? He said, well, he said, college football, everyone's there for themselves, you know, there for the team. But once you hit the pros, it's all just about me. It's about my money and my family and my cars and my stuff. Do you find that NFL players can be like that when you get them in the studio? Was that tough to adjust?
0: You know, from coaching and being in the game and also um, being connected to two different players and formats, I have no problem with the ego. Yeah. I mean, the ego basically doesn't—you know—that doesn't phase me a bit. What I do have a problem is—is is when you get guys on and you ask them a question, all of a sudden they don't have—you know—there's nothing they have to say. Yeah. You know, those are the ones that are the problem for me. You know, off the off the place, you know, having the ego. I, you know, I've, I've dealt with so many different athletes from different sports that you know I can break that down. There's there's really no there's really no problem with that. But it's just having those guys on there who um, have the personality. I mean, that's the thing that. You know, you know, I used to have guys who come on and, you know, they have that great personality when you just sit in there having a conversation with them. And then all of a sudden the red light comes on and all of a sudden they try to be somebody completely different <laughs> from what they were. You know, like, why are you changing? Be who you are. And the people will love you for who you are, not who the, who you're trying to formulate to be right now. So that's the one that would, would get me more so than the uh, than the ego problem. The Ego was, uh, you know, like I say, you know, most people have egos, and you know, I know how to deal with people that have egos, so I, I'm not bothered with that. But um, but I, I prefer just have some people that you know come on and can express themselves as far as what's going on and what the sport is all about and what's happening in the, at that particular time and at, at that particular moment.
1: Yeah, because someone who stands out to me who's who's surely you now, correct me if I'm wrong, sounds like a guy who. As he is on camera, he is off camera. not Cecil Martin, that guy is just all about the fun. Anytime he's in the studio, he doesn't even have to say anything too profound, but people just love him.
0: You know what Cecil um Yeah, I love Cecil, man. He's a he's a, you know he's a good guy on and off. You know, a people person. Um, you know, and the thing is with him, it, it over time where it got better with him was that he learned that he needed to prepare. See, coming. You know, some of those NFL guys think that they can just show up, and you know, because I played in the league. Um, but you know, but there's you know, certain times that you know, there's more to it than I just played in the league. Yeah. So I think that was the Eventually, that Cecil learned that. Okay, I got to spend more time preparing to get ready to do the show than just showing up, being that I was a former former NFL guy. But I love Cecil. I mean, that's you know, that's a guy I really I really enjoy whenever I have opportunity to spend time with him or to be on the on the show with him um you know he's a good guy but all the guys that you know seem to um that they come on the show that are NFL guys they're all you know they're all good guys and you know Jeff Neil and I we have that little connection with Sean as well yeah. so we have we all have that little connection but I mean you know when Cease you know specifically talking about him um you know the people love him and you know and also too man he loves he loves coming over and he loves interacting with the people when he's uh when he's here.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of great uh, guests, I have to say, on Sky, but as you said there, Kev, I mean, when you look at the preparation side of things, we put out these from a, you know, speaking personally, right, we put out these Packers history podcasts, and for the last podcast, I had 250 pages of notes that i had to whittle down i was reading through newspaper articles because we do sort of a decade in time and we're up to the 1950s to 1960s now so i'm doing all this preparation and i'm preparing but when we do the podcast i've got to boil it all down to maybe 40 50 minutes and even that at a stretch some for some people is too long but i find that you'll always get people listening to it going yeah it's great but you'll get the two or three people that'll nip on and say hey you didn't do this right or you didn't say that or you made a mistake with this and not being trolled because the people just sort of it just comes to them and they're listening to it like oh you got that wrong and you're look i'm doing as much as i can and <laughs> you know for sky surely because does this sort of thing of people who aren't in the media now again not saying that i'm a you know i'm, yeah. I'm a top journalist okay. but, but what i am saying is, is that i understand what goes in behind it all and i remember a radio host here in ireland someone attacked him over the fact that his radio show was on from six in the day till 10 and that he just swans in at six and he said do you really think i come to work at six on the dot do four hours and then go off home and don't think about it again he's in from early morning planning his radio yeah. show and stays late what goes into a Sky broadcast? How early are you in? How much prep do you have to do? Is is it a grueling uh, schedule? Uh,
0: well, we um, I mean, all, all throughout the week, from you know, from Monday onward, you know, I'm always looking at notes and looking at seeing who else is, um, uh, you know, the the new teams that we have coming up, you know, preparing for them, but also being aware of so many other things that are going on in the NFL because you know, like you say, you're with the Packers. Other people with the uh, you know the uh, Seattle Seahawks, but everybody wants you to know about their team. Yeah, you know. So um, just trying to have as much information and trying to keep up to date with with as as much stuff as possible. I tell people, you know, I, you know, I have you know uh, you know you put spread your your your, your thumb and your forefinger as wide as you can. I said I, I read about that much material every week, but then I only use a pinch of it on Sundays. You yeah. know. So I said, but you have to you have to do that every week, because if not. Um, you know, I know one one time we were just going to a basketball thing for a second, but we were we had were NBA finals, and just as we were getting ready to come on air, the um, there's a fire in the building, so they got to empty the whole building out, yeah. Um, let the people back in. The teams have to warm up. So you know, if you don't do that thumb to forefinger type thing, then all of a sudden you, you're short on information. So the whole case is always having more, much more information than what you need, and and like you're talking about there, I know. Um, 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 many years ago, me and a guy from uh, from uh, from Talk Sports were, you know, we were talking about that, about um, that one person, you know, and uh, that you know jumps on you and you yeah. know, and his wife happened to be there listening, and she goes, uh, "Wait a minute, you guys, you have all these emails and texts and tweets that come in, yeah. and people really like you. You got that one person." And that's how you're talking about. Well, yeah. Why are you spending time on that? We go like, yeah, because that seems like to be the one that bothers us the most, you know. <laughs> and, and 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 as you learn to go on, um, um, what I try not to do is I have people that hit me during the game, but I try not to to go on 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 tweets and and uh, Twitter and email, you know, you know, while I'm on the show, um, yeah. you know, I try to uh, you know to stay you know to stay away from from that as, as 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 much as I possibly can. We have stuff that comes in where uh, where you know where the producer will give it to us where we read stuff off the uh, um off the uh, you know either the email or, or Twitter um and we don't do text anymore but uh yeah I'll email or Twitter. So yeah, so we'd have stuff but you know I try you know my best to, to stay away from it once the uh you know once the the game comes up cuz you have those those negative comments and really, you know, for me at that time is really not the time to hear, you know, if you, and also to, uh, you know, like you said with your buddy, if it's a negative comment
1: yeah. and
0: it's construction, uh, constructive on how maybe you might've, done this maybe a little bit better or whatever versus just to have to make just to criticize just to criticize yeah. i mean that you know i'm not i'm not really feeling no so um so yes yeah, so we get them so you learn to deal with them and you learn to keep it moving
1: yeah because i mean we we experience people on on game day because we do sort of game day tweets and yeah our, you know our tweet impressions reach up to a million a month so like you know we have such uh, okay. a yeah we have a vast reach you know and actually. The podcast that we're on now became the number eight, eight, one nfl podcast in the uk so it jumped even ahead of inside the huddle with your buddies and you know yep. some of the other espn ones so it does reach a wide audience and we do get people on game day we've had people before and this is crazy going out setting up a brand new twitter account naming it uk packers something 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 bad words and then just tweeting constantly at us insulting us insulting our families and all this type of stuff you know and how do you deal with that because 19 years ago when you got into the game yes you could get criticized but it was by letter but how do you do it now where people are hitting you on twitter they're facebooking you they're you know private messaging you trying to email you is it hard to block out kev or do you just not read any of that stuff at all
0: Uh, well well, you know it's, it's a case of just having to block it out um because it's going to be there you have people that you know there's some people that that that's that's what their engine is all about they they, they never get to me because i you know for being a basketball coach you always you had haters that you had to deal with anyway so um so you know that was something that you know you learn to tune it out and yeah. i think that's what i you know throughout the time you know if it's out there i guess you know i don't pay attention to it i just keep it moving i remember uh Nick said to me when, after one after one year we were doing the NFL together, he goes, Okay, man, they were really brutal on us on the uh, on the uh, on the <laughs> the other day. I go, Why do you sit up there and read that? I mean, that don't make sense to me, you know. So, um, so yeah, so now nah, I um, I just keep it moving, man. You know, people want to you know want to uh, uh, you know, be positive in a in a in a, in a or even even if they want to be critical, but in a you know, in a in a friendly way, I can I can I can vibe with that. But if they want to be nasty about something, you just keep it moving. There's no need to, to deal with that because there's nothing you can say and nothing you're going to do that's going to uh, that's going to change that. So we just keep it moving.
1: Yeah, because I mean, we love you being on Sky Sports. We don't want you to be affected by anybody. But what did scare me and scare a few of your fans out there was is during the season last season you dropped off. Dara Kennedy came in. I mean, was the hiatus something that you wanted to do? Are you are you going to be back full time on Sky this season?
0: hey man that's something i'm not going to touch right now okay okay <laughs> okay. i'm not touching that so i really plus plus i really don't know yeah to, to, to be honest about it i i really don't know about anything um uh what's going on right now you know so i would love to do it let's put it, you know let's put it out there because i love what i'm doing i love um you know the people i work with and the job and. Watching the NFL and everything else, so I would love to do it. But as far as what's going on right at this particular moment, I really can't say one way or the other. I, I really don't know.
1: Well, Kev, we really, really hope uh, that you're back because you're—you know—you're the absolute face of Sky yourself, Neil and Jeff have some unbelievable chemistry together and again you you seem to you know just honestly really care about the nfl in the uk because where i find sometimes you'd be speaking to some american fans they just don't get the fact that we you know we're so crazy about the nfl over here some of them are in disbelief about it i mean when it comes to the nfl in the uk have you seen are you flabbergasted by how popular it is now over here or did you always see it coming because you had your finger on the pulse all those years
0: well you know i don't know if i had my finger on the pulse but Um, I've enjoyed watching the progress of it, you know, and being a part of, you know, the building of it and seeing it go from where it was. And these are not my words. These are Alistair Kirkwood words. So let me just put that, you know, head of NFL uh, UK, who came on the show once and said that um, when we started, the NFL went from the 17th most watched sport on television in the UK to now... It, it became the sixth most watched sport on television yeah. in the U.K. His words, not my words. So from being there um, when it was the 17th to where it is now, and seeing you know the the amount of people coming in, the youth that are coming in, the parents who are introducing their kids to the game, um, and I think that is a, is, is going to be the the main lifeblood of it is everyone teach one or everyone teach two or everyone teach five. Um, You know, that's going to be the lifeblood of it is, you know, the people who are really into it. Don't just keep it to yourself. You know, spread the word. Get other people involved. Let them see the greatness of what the game is all about, you know, other than just Super Bowl Sunday. More to it than just Super Bowl Sunday. Um, So, um, you know, it's been a thrill for me just being part of the ride to seeing how, you know, they've gone from, the um I mean when I first arrived they had those uh those uh preseason games where they you know they'll mention every star in the book and that star plays three plays the game two. All of a sudden, you know, they mention these stars and you're gonna see these stars for an entire contest because it's it's a real game, it's a real league game. They're gone from one to three games in um, you know, in the UK and the people are coming out each and every time to, to you know to support these games and to watch these games, and let the NFL know that you know, this is a viable location for NFL teams. So you see it go from nothing to where it's at now, with, with, with also room to make more jumps. There's been just a tremendous um, it there's been, been tremendous being part of it.
1: Yeah, because – you know the media over here i think love this whole idea of a london franchise but again from sort of we're the uk packers we only support the packers if a franchise come over yeah great but we're never going to support them i mean do you think a franchise over here could work or do you think we should just accept the fact that okay bring over the international series games maybe increase them and have rotating teams kind of like to do with the series hard knocks you know just keep rotating the teams that come over but do you think that maybe what might break the series over here is if they bring a team over to try spread the you know the love of nfl over here the team doesn't work it goes bust and then they just pull the whole thing back to the states do you think that's a danger and can the team over here even work um i mean it's
0: always a danger of things not working out you know that 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 always exists but um it's a case of um, having a team, I was not necessarily saying, okay, I got to support the team or I got to wait for the Packers to come. That's the only team that I'm going to see, you yeah. know, cause people that go to the games now, you know, everybody isn't a Miami fan when Miami plays or an Oakland fan when Miami happens to play Oakland on that day. Everybody, everybody that's in that state is not a fan either of Miami or Oakland. They're coming to see the game itself. You know, do I you know, a game that I just enjoy seeing a game like to see live, um, so I think, you know, I think it would be the same. I know, like I said, you're Packers, you know, and everybody has their teams. And it wouldn't be a case of, okay, drop your team because now nah, it's the London team. I mean, people – I know people that live all in Philadelphia who are, who are Pittsburgh Steelers fans. They don't care about the Eagles, yeah. you know, but they're big Pittsburgh Steelers fans. You know, some people here that live in London, they're Manchester United fans. They ain't Chelsea fans, you know, but they'll still watch Chelsea on television or, or go see a game. You know, so um, so I think, I think, you know, that it would still work um, – Regardless of what the name of the team is it's still football, you still having a chance to see it if you enjoy the action and you want to see a game okay, let me go see that game i I might that might not be my favorite team, but it might be a team that I like to see play. it might be an individual that I want to uh that I want to see play so I think it can work on on um on 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 many fronts i mean like i said there's always gonna be negatives that are that are possibilities, but I think it can work on many fronts,
1: yeah. Well I hope they do because again you know, there's a chance that the Packers are going to come over here so we're happy with that and maybe your Buffalo Bills might come over I'm sure you'd be happy with that But oh, They're
0: the only team that lost the Jacksonville so
1: <laughs> they, they've, already,
0: <laughs> yeah. they've already had the opportunity to come here
1: so, <laughs> so. <laughs> maybe, maybe leave them back over on Buffalo so yeah maybe so where they're safe well Kev thanks very much for all your time and we're, let's just end it on a Green Bay Packer question Let, let's go straight into the Packers okay. you sat in the studio yeah. you watched them you know their, their highs and lows there was more lows than highs last season now again I say that as a privileged Packers fan because we still got to the playoffs whereas you know people can't always say that about their team and still get to the playoffs how do you think that the Packers are going to do this season? Do you think that the NFC North is back to the Packers this season? Do you think that the Vikes only took advantage of a sort of, a you know, a stuttering offense of the Packers? How do you see it?
0: Um, I think that the new rivalry in the NFC North is the Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, You know, I think, you know, Mike Zimmer has done a tremendous job, you know, with them as far as building his team, taking it from the defense and also he had, you know, Adrian Peterson back you know, with that offense, I think with, um, um, you know, with the young quarterbacks, um, starting to come around, but yeah. the Packers are going to be tough, you know, I mean, for them, hopefully, hopefully Jordy gets back out there. I think that's going to be a, a a big key for the, for the Packers this year is Jordy Nelson being out there, but also what Jordy Nelson brings when he's out there on the football field. And also, you know, it looks like Eddie. You know, from his from, the, from his P sixty workouts, you yeah. know, might be you know uh, you know because the you know the previous years Eddie was fine. You know, but like I said you start putting on weight in the game, and everything is all about split second. You know, um, I think you know with Eddie Lacey being back, that the Packers, you know, their offense would be back in tune. But it'd be interesting those those games. With the uh, with the Minnesota Vikings, those are the games I'm really looking forward
1: to. Yeah, because it's crazy talking to actual Packer players. And uh, I asked Mason Crosby last week. I said, "You know what? You know what games do you look forward to? What's the hardest stadium to kick in?" He said it was the Bears because the rivalry was so big. But I had to hit him with, you know, I don't think the Bears Packers rivalry is certainly what it was. Now we're doing the history podcast. We see that it goes from 1919 yep. all the way up. But certainly since Favre took over, you know, Packers Bears hasn't been what it what it usually was. as sort of an even contest. But Kev. I mean, thanks for all your time. You've come on. You've given us a lot. But where can we find Kevin Cato on Twitter? And where can we buy your... We'll go on about your book again. Where can we get your book? Okay, so the,
0: yeah, the book is uh, kevincato.com, www.kevincato.com. You can find a book on that. And also you can hit me on Twitter at Kevin Um I love to, uh, to uh, interact with you guys. Not a problem. Whenever you do it, I will respond to you.